Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. Now, I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I'm so delighted to welcome my very special guest, Dr. Bernd Schoener, to the show. Bernd, welcome. I'm so glad that you're with me today. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And you've got an exciting new book. Your book is called The Blood, Sweat, Tears, and Laughs of Entrepreneurship, The Tech Entrepreneur's Survival Guide, How to Bootstrap Your Startup, Lead Through Tough Times, and cash in for success. I'm so excited about this book. It's really, really wonderful. And it just came out a few weeks ago. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. So I want to tell my audience a little bit about you. You worked in the Physics and Media Group and the Things That Think Research Consortium at the MIT Media Laboratory, where you earned your PhD. And after graduating, you co-founded the high-tech startup Thing Magic which nearly 10 years later was sold to Trimble Navigation, a multi-billion dollar public technology company. And now you serve as VP of Business Development at Trimble Navigation. And I'm really excited to hear what inspired you to write this book. There were, there were a number of things. Um, I um, <laughs> Maybe the, the funniest one was I, I was nearing midlife and um, needed an outlet for... <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit of extra energy. So um, some of the excitement of the uh, last days of Thing Magic as an independent company uh, went into the book. Um, so that was the year 2010 when um, we got ready to sell the company and that um, brought all kinds of interesting dynamics <laughs> to life you know, between the uh, investors, the founders, um, right. the management. And um, I, I felt at the time that it was worth capturing those moments <laughs> of anxiety. And, um, and that became the, the basis of the book, even though then later it, transformed in, it was transformed in something much more comprehensive, covering the entire life cycle from the day we got started all the way to um, the exit and then the life, um, the corporate life that we have been living since then. Right. So, Berend, I'd love for you to tell us about Thing Magic. Tell us about this company. It'll it'll better help us understand your journey as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it is um, definitely an interesting story, and um, it is um, unusual in the uh, sort of general landscape of um, startups. Um, we got started here um, in Cambridge, basically um, one block from MIT, mm -hmm. and which is you know a very typical <laughs> start. Um, but um, we started with a very broad agenda, not a, a very focused one. So our goal was to um, continue to develop interesting technologies, um, not necessarily with a pro product focus, but with a, with a technology and prototyping focus. Um, at the same time, we didn't want to lose out on the um, you know, financial, potential financial benefits of, um, of a startup. Right. So that's why we decided to leave academia and um, and found our own um, for-profit company. So that's how we got started, and and we basically funded the company for the first five years um, by doing um, this kind of development projects, um, typically for larger Fortune 500 companies. And then after 
two to five years, we realized that there was a particular need in RFID and that that was an area where we had um, good expertise coming out of MIT. So that's when we gradually transitioned our business model to become a RFID product company. Um, that was in 2005. We, we converted the company to a corporation. We raised, then raised um, a lot of venture capital. Mm. And for the next five years, we basically um, had the second identity as an RFID product company before we finally sold it. Now, I love that you helped us understand the timeline of that because it wasn't instantaneous. It was progressive and incremental. And, and that's what I love about the book. You, you talk about scaling your business, which is such a crucial step. Yeah, and you know sometimes um, scaling doesn't happen the way you anticipated. Right, right. <laughs> right. When you when you come out of um, MIT, you think and you watch all the success stories of um, big um, tech tech startups that become worth billions of dollars um, in no time. Um, that's sort of the expectation you have, and then mm -hmm. then you realize that those stories are really the um, very very rare exception. <laughs> Right. And the the, um, the reality of startup life is that you have to fight for every dollar and you have to fight for every um, percentage of growth. Um, and it can take a long time to to build it into something substantial. So that's that was our experience. Right. It was we had a lot of patience. We had a lot of persistence and we we worked very hard at it and ultimately were rewarded with a successful exit. But it took 10 years. It took 10 years, right. It wasn't the overnight success. And, and that's what I appreciate, the candor and the honesty about the process, because you really have written a beautiful survival guide. And I think about how many startups don't make it because they, they just don't know. They don't understand the long journey. Yeah, and as, as I said, you know, in, the, in the beginning, you, you, you have sort of one idea. And then you know, for many um, young companies, when they hit their first um, stumbling block, right? When the, the, they first realized that um, what they thought was quick and easy is actually yeah. um, a hard and long process. Um, that's the first time that a lot of ventures fall apart. Right. And uh, we have we have hit many of those in our oh, venture. Of course. I was glad yeah. that we we um, lived through all of them, um, including the you know, major crisis in our industry and in and the world economic crisis in two thousand eight. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Those. And those are you know, mostly external events, right? It's not even that you, know, yeah. you fail or you do something wrong and then um, things don't go as you, as you want it. It's, a lot of it is you know, hitting those roadblocks that, that are thrown at you without you doing anything mm -hmm. bad or, mm -hmm. or suboptimal. Exactly. So you, you talked about how you started this business after minting your degree at MIT. So, so many recent college graduates, whether they're on the undergraduate or the master's or the doctoral level, are really jumping into the entrepreneurial ring. What should a newly minted college grad think about before venturing into a startup? Well, I, mean, I think the first, the first thing to say in response to that question is, you know, just go and do it, um, you know, especially coming out of college. I cannot think of a better complement to an academic education than doing your own startup. You now, the reality, especially early on, is that you will be doing so many jobs and you will be learning so many things, um, like I did um, more than 10 years ago. Um, and, and all of those you know, weren't, certainly weren't taught at MIT. Um, but they're not rocket science. You can right. learn them, and, and it's exciting, and it, it really teaches you how to run a business 
in a sort of all-around um, way, right? Um, so that that's the good news. Um, and, and <laughs> the other, the other, you know, I think very positive thing there, and and I think ultimately the reason why why I stayed with that, and and I still think that entrepreneurship is one of the best um, careers out there, is that. Yeah, in no other field, you come, go out, you leave college, and you have the opportunity to both shape technology yeah. and build an institution. Right? You typically end up somewhere in an organization, and you um, make your contribution, but it's, it doesn't have this, this all-encompassing um, um, element of um, building something new and building something um, that will last. Right? right, right. So let me ask you this too, H- having been through it, what would you advise for prospective employees considering joining a team of a startup, right? As your, as your first job out of university, for example, and you've been invited to join a startup team, what do you need to know? So maybe I, I, um, I just finished quickly the, the answer to the, the last question sure. that you had, which is the the big issue with entrepreneurship and, and being a founder is that you have to be able to deal with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Right? It is impossible right. to predict um, what you're going to do and you know, how successful you will be, um, what, uh, which product you will ultimately um, be selling. So you, know, you, can, you can make plans, but then you know, things will change and you have to be able to deal with that and, and say, okay, um, I, don't know, I don't know where I'll be in five years. Um, but it should be an interesting ride. Right? Right. <laughs> uh, for employees, the, the equation is slightly different. I mean, the, the, the basic idea, you know, the basic trade-off between a large corporation or a small startup um, is still there. But as an employee, you're a little bit removed from this, um, you know, what happens if it doesn't go that way, are we going this way? Um, you know, if there's a layoff, then... You know, the employee goes first. Right, right. <laughs> um, typically, at least. Um, so so there's those, those elements of risk are also there, but I think the, the element of uncertainty is a little less so, right? So you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't join on day one when there's nothing there. Uh, as a founder, by definition, you do. And um, as an employee, you join typically a, you know, a, a five to 50-person team um, and that it's already a little you know, clearer where that, that thing is going, right? right? But the other thing to, to keep in mind if you know, for young engineers or, or graduates who are facing that decision between do I do my own thing or do I join another company, uh, even if it's small, you know, the, the events where a startup employee becomes super rich mm-hmm. are actually fairly rare. Right. Um, so you... <laughs> You, you better like that kind of environment and like that kind of work um, for what it is. Don't you know, think or, or basically plan for being a millionaire within a couple of years yeah. by joining a startup. Yeah. Uh, the, the reality is that, that the equity packages and all the compensation packages in general for employees are certainly not bad, especially in the current market. Um, but they result in multi-million dollar um, exit payouts um, very, very rarely. So, you know, that's another 
I think bias that we we get from the media that we learn about the very very large successes, right? Mm-hmm. The Facebooks and the right. Twitters, um, and and whatnot, and those are very rare. And the more realistic outcome is that you'll be living a happy middle class life. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, there's maybe an extra bonus. <laughs> um, could be enough for a house, but more likely it's you know, enough for a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's I think that's a fundamental trade off that that a young um, potential entrepreneur faces um, between those two choices. Well, and you talk about this so beautifully in the book about paying yourself and your employees. So again, you've got to be willing to understand the ebb and flow of the cash, correct? Yeah, so that that's one. Um, obviously, that, that cash flow issue is very prominent in the life of a startup management team um, founder. Um, and whether you are bootstrapping like we did for five years or you, you start um, taking in serious capital, you know, the money is always running out. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's always. Yeah, never right. a time where you can say, oh, now we're all set. Right, right. right. Um, obviously, if you, if you have revenue and, and there's a baseline there, that, yeah, that helps because mm-hmm. you may not be able to meet your expenses, but you at least have um, substantial cash flow to, to, as, a, as a foundation. Um, but especially if you're going for venture capital, then you know, that, that money will be spent um, and before you know it, you will be in the capital markets again looking for more. So, so that, that cash flow issue is always there. Yeah, it is. So what's your advice to entrepreneurs who are struggling with that emotionally? Because it's physically and mentally demanding and the money isn't always robust in the beginning, right? So how do you balance that? For example, maybe give us some some experiences you had in the early stages of, of Thing Magic. Well, I think yeah, the, the first I'm I'm trying to think back and and you know, what I was telling myself when I when I would fight face that <laughs> Right. And, and there were really you know two things. One is that you know I wouldn't want to be in a different professional situation. Okay. What I'm doing right now is what I want to do and it's great. Um so I better, you know, learn how to live with those um stressful situations, right? Um and the other one is that um it's not that by going corporate, um, you're escaping those realities of, um, of the, the basically corporate America. Right. right. Um, today, you know, being laid off and, and downsizing is, is a reality of, um, of professional lives. Very and it much doesn't so. say anything about your capabilities or, um, you know, it's not a sign of failure, right, if, right. if a, a corporation lays off thousands of people. Um, you just have to deal with it and find another job and move on, right? And in a startup, I think those those pressures are more direct, right? Um, you because maybe in part because you see those books every day, right? Um, and you're not you're not they're not hidden. Um, but um, but at the end of the day, it's a, this a similar game, right? If things are going tough and if you can't find financings or if the business plan has to be changed, then yeah. People may have to get laid off, um, and then you know one of the realities of being a founder versus an employee is that you know as a founder, if you're not as long as you're not screwing up completely, um, you are in a, ultimately in a better position to to stay put or um, you know find something else to do when the when the thing really fails. 
Well, what what I find fascinating is that you mentioned early on in Thing Magic, your team established a principle that every founder and key executive received the same salary compensations. Compensation, pardon me. Tell us why you recommended that and what other options are out there. Well, the, the um, in part, this this uh, structure was motivated by our bootstrapping approach at the time, which was basically um, you know a year or so into the company. Um, and interestingly, you know the, that that salary level we we established because a lot of our um, three of our five co-founders were non-Americans, and we had to basically pay us enough so that the um, immigration services were happy. Of course, of <laughs> so, course. So, so that became the, the baseline salary that we would pay ourselves. And then beyond that, the, the realization was that, um, especially when you, you can't pay yourself market salaries, right? If, right? if you have enough to do that, then it's, it's a slightly different game. But if you can't do that, you might as well say, look, we are not in this for the cash. We are not in this for next month's salary. We have to pay ourselves something because we all need to live and eat. But really why we're doing this because eventually um, the equity will work, be worth right. a lot and that's what we're all working towards. Right? So patience is essential, correct? Patience is, yeah, it's very, very important. <laughs> so Bernd, I'd love to hear more about your pros and con advice about taking venture capital. I know so many aspiring entrepreneurs that are in the startup phase think, oh, if I only had venture support, but there's more to it than that. So walk us through that. So, yeah, there's a few um, downsides of venture capital um, or, or equity investments in general that are worth mentioning and keeping in mind. And they're not sort of top of the mind of the, the young founder who um, would take any money to um, keep going, right? Right. Um, and that is that, yeah, in, in many ways, venture capital is sort of the worst of all um, funds because venture capital capitalists definitely want their money back. So it's like a bank loan that way. Right. Right. And they get it back before everybody anybody else gets anything. And then secondly, they want a 10x return, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and anything that's in the way of that, even if it's consistent with what, the founders of the company wants, um, you know, they will fight, right? So, but the, the biggest downside with venture capital is, is that notion that um, the moment you take capital, you have to get, get that capital and more back to the investors before you, you get anything. So, um, you know, basically, you know, you can do the, the, the math in, in your head. The problem is most founders don't do it. Um, but the moment you take capital, you have to sell your company at a multiple of that um, number to get anything yourself. And that's the, the, the simple arithmetic that I, you know, people tend to forget mm -hmm. um, when they get excited about a term sheet um, that you know, would keep them going for another year. Right. Do the math. Very good. Very good. So we both know that it is stressful and emotionally and physically demanding. So how does one in the entrepreneurial sphere manage work life and personal life in the early stages of their startup? What did you do when Thing Magic was in its infancy? So I, I was in the fortunate um, position, or I guess a rather yeah, straightforward position that, that I had very um, little obligations, uh -huh. um, no family to support, uh, no mortgage, uh, no car, 
Um, I'm, I was used to a student life, um, yeah. like many graduates are. Um, and in, in a way, that's the best, you know, um, that's a great starting point. because You have no expectation, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and I was, you know, um, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, um, had, um, had a very demanding um, career herself. So, you know, you don't notice it if you're working 12 hours a day and, and after dinner, you know, you go back work to again. work. Right, and, right. And it's, it's natural that you go in seven days a week, right? You bike to work and Saturday is the same as Sunday is the same as Monday. Right. Um, but, you know, you realize fairly quickly that those years will end, right? That, that's not a permanent situation. Right. Um, there comes a time when um, you get tired or you need to do something else, at least you know, as a hobby again. Um, you need to take care of your family. Um, and I think it's important to, to you know, realize when that transition happens and then you know, start you know, building up that, that other life again. Um, and um, you know, for me, that meant you know, we were fortunate that we could start hire people. Um, so we had a team that would take care of certain things where initially I did everything. And yeah. but then um, there were, peop were people there who would be experts and would do um, take on certain responsibilities. Uh, so that's obviously, uh, that's, that's a natural transition for a young startup. And um, it's important for the founder to, to realize that and then, then basically get their life back. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Get your, get your life back. Well, you know, it's so fascinating to read the book and, and hear and, and listen to your journey. You know, I think it's, it's wonderfully grounding for our aspiring entrepreneurs to know that there is a survival guide and you give us a step-by-step -step approach. And I want to remind everybody, the book is The Blood, Sweat, Tears, and Laughs of Entrepreneurship, The Tech Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. How to bootstrap your startup, lead through tough times, and cash in for success. So, Bernd, tell us how we can follow you online and how we can buy your book. So, the best thing to do is to go to uh, my website, and one way to get there is to um, type in Bernd.us. So, that would be my first name, B E R N D. Mm -hmm. US. And that takes you to my website, and from there you can, um, A, find a lot of additional information, and B, um, also buy the book. And the book is now available in uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble online as well, correct? That's correct, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Bernd Schoner, I want to thank you so much. I wish you great success with this new book, and I thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise, and I hope we'll keep in touch to hear how things are going. Thank you so much. Take good care. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning into your working life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.